Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra and Erin, and we are so excited to talk to you today. We have Lee Richardson, and we're going to talk about our brain, our mental health, our physiology, as we go through these uncertain times. And, you know, whether you're directly affected by the pandemic or whether you're sheltering at home like I am with my two kids and my dad and my three dogs, which is really exciting. And I'm not a homeschool mom like Erin, who at least (laughs) has some skills. Um, we're all facing a new normal, and I think we will continue to face a new normal as this goes on. Erin, how has this affected you and your household? You know, it's funny. You mentioned being a homeschool mom. Homeschool moms, we homeschool so we can have freedom to not be at home all the time, to go exploring museums and zoos and going to the gym and (laughs) parks and all these public places where now it's like, ooh, do I want to take my kid who has a sniffly nose to the park? I don't know. So yeah, it's definitely, and plus my husband's working from home now, which throws everything off. So it is definitely, it's shaken us up a little bit. Well, and I think for many of us, um, you know, like in my case, I have a home office, so I'm accustomed to working there. But my neighbor who came over the other day, she brought me some eggs from her chickens and she's like, I can't handle this. I am trying to work from my kitchen table and my husband is working from the dining room table. They're both ordered, you know, we're, we're a shelter at home community. So they're ordered to work from home and they have a four-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 15-year-old. And you can't expect the 15-year-old to do all the babysitting all day long because she has her own school to do. So there's no child care. You know, Raleigh's running amok, which I can hear it. Um, You know, this is not ideal for any family. And that's why we brought on Lee Richardson. And Lee, I'd like you to introduce yourself to our audience and, and join in this kind of panel discussion about this new normal that we're experiencing. Well, thank you for having me. I run a business called the Brain Performance Center, and my everyday life deals with people that have anxiety and depression, ADHD, OCD. And I think what this has done is this has cranked everything up a notch. And if you didn't have any of that two weeks ago, you probably do today because our life has been put on hold. Mm -hmm. And that's very frustrating. It's super frustrating. And, you know, the only good that I've seen come out of it down here, my silver linings, is I was able to get to my oncology appointment 38 minutes instead of like an hour and a half in LA traffic. Like that was, you know, a huge bonus. But the flip side of it was driving down the 405 at 530 in the afternoon, which should be a parking lot here. There's a few cars. 
And it just was eerie. And as I went by the fast food and I went by the markets, you know, certain markets are open, certain ones are closed. And a lot of our big box stores are closing early so that they can sanitize and restock. And then they have the elderly hours in the morning. So my Costco and Sam's Club that are usually packed with getting gas, everything is empty. And that, I think, is really psychologically disturbing because when we're home you can shut off the tv you can have maybe a little bit of normalcy for a point but then you go out and you see all this crazy and you can't really escape it you can't and it's almost surreal i walked down today to and i usually don't have time to get lunch but i did so i walked down to hop daddy and there were people sitting on the outside tables and it made me feel so happy and i told them it does my heart so good to see people sitting down and just having lunch together because you're not really supposed to do that and you can't do that indoors at a restaurant. Right. But it was just like, oh, I, I miss I miss seeing that. I miss that hustle, that bustle. Well, and how, go ahead, Erin. I was just saying, how much have we taken for granted that now we realize is gone? It is totally... I mean, on the positive side, I think that there are some other, I have a lot of questions for you, Lee, as we go forward, but um, on a positive note, it has allowed me to reevaluate things like large gatherings of entertainment venues. We didn't know how great it was when we had it and going out to eat at a restaurant, how great that was. Worship gatherings, like we totally took that for granted, you know, so there's so many things we didn't realize until now all these freedoms we had, all these wonderful things we could do, and now we can't do it anymore. Yeah, it makes, you know, it makes you sad. I've kind of gone through the grief process. Mm. First, you know, oh, no, 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 denial, you yep. know, and then, then anger, then depression, you know. But it's interesting because it's only my third day uh, of not being at the gym, and I've come to accept it. I did my online little class this morning and I said, you know what? I can do this. I can do this every day. I can find, I can go do that beach body class that you were talking about. <laughs> so we, we all just have to get it right in our head. We cannot control the events of the world, but we can control how we, we respond to them. Well, absolutely. You know, and Lee, I want to bring in something that I, I know from, from my own work with the military and training first responders and, you know, the kind of the mental toughness training for those lift, listening out here. There are also many of us who thrive in this situation that, you know, we mobilize, we get energized, you know, we're problem solvers or things. But once the crisis has passed, there are many of us, like for me, I always get bummed out, depressed, angry, frustrated, like all of that is pushed aside. And it's maybe because my training goes back to like 13 years old with this, you know, that you mobilize, you take care of, you resource, your resource management, everything's going. And then everything starts to calm down. And that's when I have my freak out. Like that's when I have my crying, you know, I've held it all in. I've held it all together for everybody. I'm there, I'm going, I'm doing, I'm, you know, leading. But then after, and this is why I think it's important to talk about some of these things because some of us process and feel it sooner than others. And some are the after the factors. I'm an after the factor. 
Absolutely. You know, and some of us, when people come in and, and after what happened, the virus, or, you know, they're like, I'm, I'm really nervous, but I don't want to talk about it. I, you know, I'm like, you have to lean into it. That's the only way you're going to come out on the other side is lean into it, embrace it, understand what that fear feels like and accept it for what it is. Well, what does that mean? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Erin, I just, because people have told me forever, Sandra, you like, and I do, I, I admit I'm not a good feeler. I, I don't feel things like, like the way other people do. And that's why I think it's important to talk about all people like that. When you tell me to lean in, Erin and, and Lee, I would lean forward. Like, seriously, when my therapist told me, she's like, Sandra, you need to practice self-care. I was like, well, does that mean I need to get my nails done more? Like, you know, if you don't have that chip, which I clearly don't, or maybe it just is buried or broken, what does that mean to lean in? Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't know how to lean in. I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know what to do when you tell me that. Well, what it means to me is that you got, you have to process what's going on instead of, you know, sticking your head in the sand like the ostrich, uh, go away, go away, go away, lean into it. Think about, talk about, you know, what's going on. Are you noticing that you're behaving different? Are you socially isolating? Are you notice that you are you noticing your emotions are a little bit more afraid? You're quicker to snap. You're more irritable. You're more sensitive to anything anybody says to you mentally. Or do you feel that you've lost some of your clarity? Are you a little slower to respond? So when I say lean in, what I mean is just stop and do some personal observation. How is this impacting me? And and because once you realize that, wow, I'm getting really crabby. I got to stop that. Right. Um, and until you stop and, and realize, and it's so much better if you can realize it before everybody in your family points it out to you. And that's a lot of times that's the way it goes down is family members start saying, hey, you know, why don't you, why don't you come down and have dinner with us? Why don't you sit down and talk to me? Um, why are you saying so- this morning, mom, stop barking orders. This isn't a barracks and, <laughs> <laughs> and sit down and play a game with us. And that, but that was hard for me. It was hard for me to stop my go, go, go routine, handle this, do this, do that, do that. Cause I think that's also a method that some of us use to stay, to keep fear at bay. Survival. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting, Lee. I'm so glad that you mentioned being observational because that's something for me that I had to do this morning. Mm-hmm. I had to take stock of my feelings and observe what was going on. Because what do you do when you wake up? You start, well, I'll speak for myself. I start scrolling Facebook. And what's the latest? What are we hearing? What's going on in the news? And because I've worked so hard to create mental stability for myself the last 10 plus years after some really a really shaky start, that's part of my story, um, I have to lean in and observe my feelings because what it'll do for me, it'll send me into a downward spiral. 9-11 did it for me. I kept watching the news, kept watching the news. It sent me right into a depression. And I'm not, I refuse to let that happen this time. And so for me, it was really important to step back and go, okay, I'm noticing some tightness in my chest. I'm noticing some racing thoughts. I'm noticing just kind of a weird, slowly feeling of like, unsettling in my stomach, um, all of these things. And then I had to go, okay, what is it that's causing that? And I have to name it. 
And because I think naming it decreases the power that, that it can have over you. Um, Absolutely. When you name it, you can tame it. Yes. You know? I love that. Tell, tell us more about that. I would love to hear yeah. more about naming and taming. That's good. Well, you know, I always tell people I went in time with the crisis. The most important thing that you need to do is schedule some me time. And I mean, literally put it on the calendar because if it's not on the calendar, you know, and I know it's not going to happen. Right. Not for, not for us. Anyway, if your kids need something, certainly you're going to take care of that, but schedule that me time. And maybe that I like to think of that as growth time. You know, maybe that's when I sit back and, and I just think, or I kind of close my eyes and dream a little bit. Um, but that time so that, or, or I sit, use that time to analyze, okay, what's going on with you? And instead of, I think when we're in that fear state, we think so short term, just taking a pause and start thinking about long term. And, and Sandra, you kind of touched on that a while ago that, you know, you need to think about it. You just don't need to think about tomorrow because when you think about tomorrow, you're in the moment. Stop back and think, you know what? Three, three months from now. Now, I think it's scary for us right now to do that because we have no idea what three months from now is going to look like. I do honestly believe this too shall pass. Sure. And I'm a big believer in mantras. This too shall pass and my other KFC, and that's not Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> that's kind, firm, and calm. Oh, yep. I like that. Kind, firm, and calm. We love that. Well, and I think, you know, when you talked about, you know, time traveling, you know, that's one of the things that I find gets me in trouble and most of the people that I work with when we start time traveling, you know, time traveling is going far in the future or going back in time, you know, that doesn't serve us in a crisis unless we're trying to mine something for problem solving. And when, <laughs> when my kids were little and I was really in crisis as a single mom and losing my house, going through a foreclosure, couldn't be any worse. I was up in the middle of the night with my younger one with an earache watching the Lego Ninjago stuff. And Sensei Wu is this little Lego figurine that comes on and he's wearing, you know, the, the Chinese hat and he puts his hands together and he says, my son, what can you do today to get you to where you want to be? And that was like if harps played and cymbals crashed and angels flew down, that moment was this big message for me of, you know, this time traveling, thinking what you're going to do next month, what, do you, what didn't you do last month? And if you think about what can I just do today? You know, like Lee, I loved what you said about, you know, your gyms are closed. So, you know, you can't go to the gym. What can I do today? You went on your phone and you did a workout or your tablet or whatever. You know, Aaron, you can't go to the, the, the um, libraries or the museums or the fun things that you normally do as a homeschool mom. You know, you're housebound. But you said, what can I do today? You know, yesterday, my big aha moment was I have two teenage boys and my dad and we're going to clean. And we pulled everything out of that kitchen. We wiped out cabinets, you know, all these things. And with four people, it didn't take very long, maybe two hours. But that kitchen sparkles. And I will tell you, that kitchen will not sparkle like it did yesterday 
three months ago because we were going 100 miles an hour every which way. So I wanted to look at what could I do today to get me to where I want to be. And that was the Lego movie. So <laughs> it was very profound for me. I like that. Uh, Leah, I have, I have another question for you about routine. How can we create, because I know for me and so many others who are recovering from mental illness and trying to manage a, an illness during this time, how important is a routine for continuing to be stable? And how can we, how can we continue to have any kind of routine during this time? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, routine is our, it's what's normal for us. It's our safety net. And honestly, I think taking that away from people creates emotional instability. You know, I used to get up every morning. I used to go get my coffee on my way to the gym. Then didn't come back, get ready for work. Well, I got up and I'm like, well, you know, what do I do? What do I do the first day? So I think what we have to do is create a new routine mm -hmm. and just say, okay, I'm, it's, it's a new day. My routine is going to be, um, I don't have to be, so many more people are working from home, so I don't have to get up at 4.45 in the morning. So I'll sleep in. You know, try to find the goodness of a new routine. And I think when times are tough, you need to schedule in some breaks because we tend not to do that. And some of us just want to, you know, I'll just power through it. I'll just push through it. And by the time I do, I'm exhausted. And if I would have scheduled, you know, a couple of 10-minute breaks, wow, look how great it is. It's sunny outside. Go out and walk out there and feel that sun on my shoulders. I'm more energized. So I think routines are, are really, really important. And I think that's probably the scariest thing for us right now because we feel like we have no control. Right. We do not know what's going to be open. We do not know when we're going to be able to go in it. We do not. That's what is so scary for us. And the only thing that matters is how we react to that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, like we're talking about, you know, kind of this creating a new normal. And last year I did Hal Elrod's series about the miracle morning, like how to redo your morning routine to serve you. And in that case, it was voluntary. Like I could decide whether or not I wanted to do certain things. I could do it on my own time frame. I think one of the psychological things that I know I'm struggling with because I'm really not good with being told no um, is all of this stuff is not our choice. You know, it's one thing to say, I want a new uh, fitness routine, so I'm going to not go to the gym. I'm going to go Absolutely. to karate, or I'm not going to eat, you know, grocery store food. I'm only going to go organic, and I'm just going to shop at the farmer's market. Those are our choices. So we have already a willingness to work with this but when choices are foisted upon us, whether through, you know, government issues, health issues, um, personal issues, even marriage and divorce issues, we don't like that. No, we don't. And I did a podcast yesterday with the superintendent of some learning academies, and she said there's only two people that can make a call to close the schools above me. One is the mayor of the city, and the other is the CDC. And she said, and by the way, the CDC is the ones that made the call. And she was furious. But I said, would you have made a different call? And she said, well, that's, that's, not, that's not what makes me mad. 
It wasn't the call. It was just that it was taken away from her. That's right. Mm. Well, and here's the funny thing, like, you know, when the schools were closed on Monday, you know, and I'm in a school district with 600,000 students, like that's a massive order. You know, we're the second, I think the second largest school district in the nation. So, you know, everything goes haywire. And if it had been a holiday and the kids were home, I'd be thrilled. You know what I mean? Because it's a holiday and we're supposed to be home. And then the first day home, I was like, make sure you get your printouts from the school and that, 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 you know, like all this stuff. What changed? You know, the kids came home. That was really all that changed in my household. You know, I didn't do anything different. My dad didn't do anything different. My company's still running online. But the difference was it wasn't a national holiday. It wasn't something I was used to. It was unexpected. I wasn't prepared for it. And what was funny is my kids printed the stuff out, did their homework and stayed in the room. So really, you know, like really what major inconvenience was it to me other than putting two more lunches on the table than two. But it was that concept of now my kids are forced home with me. Now everything has to adjust. And I think, you know, this is where the mental game comes in. And I love that, you know, you're a brain expert, Lee, because I love brains. You know, I, I just think brains are fabulous and how we think in our mind, because why would a Monday holiday be completely different reaction in me than a Monday forced home day from school in a pandemic? The day was almost essentially the same. It was just how I perceived it. Well, or you might ask yourself, what part of the brain did you use to react to that with? Because we're adults, our, our frontal cortex is fully formed. That's the last part of the brain that gets formed. As teenagers and young adults, we rely on that amygdala, which is associated with emotions and instinctive behavior and aggression. So what part of your brain did you react with? Probably the amygdala, right? Well, probably. It sounds like it, you know. (laughs) I don't want to be told I take my kids home. (laughs) But I think the most important thing that, and this is what, this is actually, so I decided this morning I woke up and I said, okay, we're going to work out right here, right now. So I said, okay, Lee, because then I start, I start looking and there's so many choices. So I closed my eyes and I said, what can I visualize? myself doing successfully at home because I don't have a lot of gym equipment because I love going to the gym. Mm -hmm. So close my eyes, bar, online bar. This kitchen counter is the perfect height, (laughs) you know? So being able to visualize that success really does, I think, help us all to reframe any situation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my question too, because I think it's so hard for us to make good decisions and to make, have appropriate reactions. I, I think we are living in very reactionary times, especially, and then that's one of the things that bothers me about social media is I get on there and everybody's got an opinion. All of a sudden, everybody is an immunologist and a statistician and a, you know, like everybody's got their thoughts and we are all reacting. And I don't know if we are using our, our prefrontal cortex <laughs> to make good decisions. I think a lot of it is we are using in our conversations, we're acting out of our amygdala. And so what can we do? What do we have control over other than visualizing? What are some other things that we can do to get us out of that 
fear behavior mode to still have some kind of normalcy we know in normal times even when people are faced with a decision and they're anxious about it I'll tell them okay before you make that decision before you take anxious action just stop and count backwards from 10 you know 10 take a deep breath in breathe out nine all the way down to one and by the time you get through that you're in a much calmer state mm -hmm. and you've given yourself some time to make a good decision mm -hmm. so i think that being again going back to being aware you know a lot of times people we get ourselves so worked up yes. do a little mini body scan start at the top of your head do you feel that tension in your forehead let it go and move down to your jaw. So many of us keep our teeth clenched, you know, and certainly if, if it's not in the jaw, you can hit it in the neck or the shoulders. But just work all the way down your body until you feel your feet are almost growing out of the floor. That's how grounded you are. Wow. So there are things that we can do to slow down our reactions. Well, and I notice I don't breathe. Like, as, you know, I notice I stop breathing. I hold my breath and I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think knowing when I, you know, cause then you start getting lightheaded and you get all weird and that just adds a whole like layer of frosting on the cake. Um, but I think it's also really necessary for us after we take that inventory, if you will, um, to take a break, go do something else. Cause I, I see a lot of my friends glued to the tube. They're glued to the internet. They're glued to Facebook, you know, and there's all this constant, you know, kind of reactivation of your nervous system. You know, you're just calmed down for a minute. That's why I like to watch, you know, some things on these service providers that don't have commercials, don't have interruptions, don't have breaking news, except I will tell you guys something funny. Yesterday, my dad and I were, he's old. And so he watches these old channels and the $6 million man came on and he's like, da, 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 you know, running and running and running. And then they go to a town where everybody died from a mysterious virus. I'm like, shut up, shut oh, up. No. <laughs> you know, so uh, triggered. trigger, trigger, you know, but the whole point is to try to, I think, change your state through music, through something else where you're not going to be influenced by some new scary thing I think that you're right the change is good change creates flexibility in us um, instead of I think we all have the, the, the disease FOMO we're so afraid of missing out oh, yeah. that for sure that we just have to look you know I just have to be in the know I have to know what to do for my kids mm -hmm. I have to know how to make them take care of my puppies and when we can just take ourselves out of the moment it it generates energy. It renews us. It's the best thing for the brain. Yeah, because it is draining of my energy when I'm concentrating on, you know, and I thought that this morning, I thought, what, what does it, how does it affect me directly when I'm reading about the Las Vegas casinos shutting down? It's like every little, or what's happening in New York. I don't know anybody in Vegas. I don't know, you know, and it's like that doesn't directly impact me, but it is draining my energy to think about that. And it so is. that's where I, I have to, like you said, I've got to shut it down because all I can really control right now, like you're saying, is, is my response. Mm -hmm. And 
and how I'm nurturing my family in this time because they're going to feed off of, of my energy and my anxiety. So, and for parents, what can we be doing with our kids? How can we talk to our kids about these things? Well, you know, I think one thing that we can do is we can teach our kids what self-compassion is. And while we're teaching them, we can practice a little bit because what to me self-compassion is, is that that's accepting all of me. That includes those mistakes I make. That includes those bad decisions I make. And, you know, just really helping them to understand because this is a different world we live in. And I don't imagine this type of situation ever happening again. It's a different world. And we have to understand ourselves and accept ourselves daily, I think, in order to get through it in the most productive way. And I think just teaching them, you know, doing the countdown breathing exercises with them, doing, do the body scan with them. You know, I call that autogenic training. Well, really, all it is is a mini body scan. So, you know, so make it fun for them. One of the things that I was working with a, a young person yesterday and just worried about everything. And I said, you know what you need to do? And she was like, that's why I'm here. Tell me. And I said, well, how about making a worry box? Take an old shoe box. Everybody's got a box. Take an old shoe box. Decorate that box however you want. And she loves to do that artsy yeah. stuff. And then I said, at the end of the day, I want you to sit down and I want you to take a piece of paper and write down on a little small piece of paper what one worry is and then drop that in the box whatever other worries you have you write them down and put them in the box and and as you do that visualize that thought coming out of your mind onto that piece of paper into the box and let it stay there i love that I think that would work really well for older kids and teens too. Like I'm thinking of, of my daughter, she's 15 and can tend to be a little anxious and she carries it all internally, but that would be a really good processing tool. I love that idea. So what other tools can we use, you know, like putting it in a box and, and, you know, um, changing our state through music or media or, you know, reading, um, I find one of the things that I've asked my clients to do this week is to make a list of all the things that they didn't do, like on their business plan, they didn't do on their New Year's list and go, could any of those be done today? And, you know, we came up with one for my son because he's like, yeah, he's like, one of my goals was to read, he's read like, I don't know, like three quarters of the Harry Potters. He wants to finish the other two. So I'm like, there we go. Like, why can't you finish up your Christmas list or your, your New Year's list or so any list that you have? Or, you know, this is an optimal time for people who've always wanted to study a language to go online. They can go on, you know, any number of these online learning systems. Take a class for two weeks because you're home, you know, and you're not at work and you have extra time when you're not driving to and from work. <laughs> and uh, the lady yesterday told me the Cleveland Zoo Every day at three o'clock, they're going to introduce a new animal and they're going to de describe that animal and talk about it, both from, you know, an education, but a fun way. I love and that. I think everybody loves animals. Nothing makes me more peaceful than my two dogs. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was thinking just music is so healing. 
Uh, there's mm-hmm. something like Sandra, you already mentioned that there's something healing about music. And I've always wanted to learn to play an instrument. My daughter plays like 10,000 of them. And so I thought, well, gosh, maybe she could teach me guitar. So last night she restrung what she has two guitars. So she restrung one of them and I'm going to learn guitar. And I think that that's a way to help also self soothe <laughs> during this time as well. Right. And it's got to do something for my brain teaching it, learning a new skill. Is that right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is, you know, in creativity, tapping into that creativity, that's good for the yeah. brain. Yeah. Well, and you know, and even if it's as simple, like one of the things that I'm planning on doing, and as you guys can see, because for those of you listening and can't see this, uh, the girls will verify, it looks like a bomb went off in my office. Like <laughs> there are bags everywhere. There's papers, there's all this stuff. One of the things I'm committed to doing because I have, um, I was supposed to travel this week for work, this, you know, from, from today to Sunday to a conference that's been canceled. So the promise I made to myself is to pull everything off these shelves and go through all these papers and do a deep clean. And as I'm doing it, I'm going to really be thinking about what can I do differently in the future? What can I do better? Because I think most of us, especially if we're, we're entrepreneurs or small business owners or have our own you know, company or joint company, we're so busy working in our business that we don't have the time to work on our business. We don't have that pause to go, okay, I've got to handle all these fires. I've got to handle my clients' needs. I've got to do these things. You don't sit down and go, I'm going to take the next four days and rework my billing system because I have all the time <laughs> in the world. You don't. You know, you're like, get the billing done, get the billing done. My, my, my bank account's empty. So these are good times to really evaluate your systems and what you're doing. And I realized on a flip side, I have way too many frying pans. Like, (laughs) seriously, when we pulled the cabinets out, I've been shoving those suckers in there for years, and then I buy a new one, and it gets pushed to the back. And my son, who was pulling out the stuff under the stove, he goes, Mom, he goes, you have a real problem. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not that I'm a hoarder. I mean, maybe I am. But it's not that I'm a hoarder. It's we have been functioning at such a high pace as a global community. You know, texts come in, emails come in. You know, we used to think the facts wrap stuff up. You know, we don't even go get the mail anymore. The pace at which we've all been functioning, I think, Lee, I'm correct in saying that there's very few not in that that uh, kind of mindset. So absolutely. when we're forced to hit the pause button, we have a choice of what to do with that gift of time. You make a really good point because I think what happens is we're going so fast and furious, we really kind of lose touch with our values and our beliefs. And one of the things that I've decided I want to do is, you know, look at those values. I know what I value. I value honesty. I value integrity. And reconnect with those and and ask myself, are you are those being evidenced in all of your behavior? Because sometimes, you know, it's just so easy to just kind of just put a little bit different slant on it, which is really a little white lie. Yeah. But so I think that, you know, you're right. There's there's ways that we can use this time to reconnect with ourselves, with who we want to be. And to me, self-care is doing things that makes me a better person. It's not a bottle of wine and Netflix. Um, 
you know, self-care takes self-discipline and self-discipline is self-love. Yeah, well, I can tell you one of the big things that has made a world of difference in me with self-care is I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn to get my kids ready and get to school. And I had to make this decision this week going, all right, we have two weeks that the kids are out and I can get up at five and start working like I normally do to make room for the time, or I can sleep until eight and you can guess who won, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I've gotten, I have my Fitbit. I look at my Fitbit thing. I'm getting like on average two hours more sleep a day. That's phenomenal. That's That's good good for the brain. Yes, it is good for me. It's also good for the immune system. You know, I was thinking about these kids who are normally up so early going to bed late, especially our teenagers, you know, and they're getting so much extra sleep, I hope, and think about how much more helpful that will be during this pandemic for them, immune system-wise, and yeah, for sure, brain-wise. Yeah, I think that that's a really, that's a good positive spin on it as well. What does sleep do for the brain? I don't know. Well, you know, all day long, those little neurons and dendrites, they're wiring and firing, and they're creating toxic waste. Well, you have these little glial cells, and the only time they come out to play, they're like little scrubbing bubbles. They clean up all that mess. The only time they do is when you're asleep. So if you're not getting enough sleep, you know, more and more research is linking insomnia to Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. Because that sleep is when you rejuvenate that brain. You give it the growth opportunity that it needs. Yeah, I love that. It's like the the brain's internal housekeeper, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Vacu- vacuuming up the bad stuff. <laughs> Get it out. Neat. I didn't yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't I just know that I I felt better, I was more patient, I felt clearer, you know. Because I don't have the garbage in my brain, I guess. (laughs) Well, and it's it's beneficial. Well, this goes into another topic, but even from a health standpoint too, our hunger hormones function better when we get enough sleep. If we don't get enough sleep, we're going to be eating all sorts of crap and (laughs) not eating well, you know. So I think that that's a good point too. So yeah, I think using this time to load up on that sleep that we need is so so important. Well, and And go ahead, please. I was going to say, and even just taking the time to focus on our diet, mm-hmm. you know, we instead of we used to, I, I, my husband and I, we go out to eat a lot and we're not doing that anymore. And you know what? We're probably eating better. Uh, I know I'm eating less and eating better and spending some quality time together. So there's, you know, focus on our basics, focus on our sleep, on our diet. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's a reset. Don't you guys think it's a reset? Or it can be. Yeah, it, I mean, that's what I was saying is we're making use of of things that we had, but like you mentioned before, Sandra, like it's crazy and we don't get a chance to make use of all these resources when we're busy with everything else. And I think about all the, all the vegetables I could be playing with and making new dishes from, you know, and like trying new things. And, and I think that this is a great opportunity for us to restore sleep, nutrition, and managing our, our thoughts and patterns and all of those things. I, I'm so encouraged by this conversation because I think that this 
gives me a lot of hope. It's got to give y'all and everybody else a lot of hope too, you know? <laughs> right. And, and we don't have to have nine dry hands. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's a lot of hope out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, everything, you can look at everything one or two ways. It's either good or it's bad. It's either positive or it's negative. And focus on the positive. Right. And sometimes we have to kind of focus hard to be able to see the positive, but keep looking. You'll see it because it's there. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, one of the things I'm going to like, you know, throw in, you know, from being part of the tech community for like 30 years is, is I think we have a fundamental inability in our culture today to deal with uncertainty. And when you watch people have discussions and they say, well, go ahead and Google it, go, go check it out, look it up you know, I'm going to be right. You're going to be wrong. And there's a certainty that we can look things up on the internet. There's a certainty that we can go to Jack in the Box or Big Lots or Sears and pick up even there's Sears. I don't know if there's Sears anymore, but you know, all of those things, those give us a certain level of certainty. And I think what this global pandemic has done is it's shown how very uncertain and unstable the systems we have come to rely on for our personal stability are not really that stable and that if we haven't done work on ourselves with stability and confidence and um you know an having some sort of maybe belief system that we can believe in, you know, we can't believe in Taco Bell because it's closed now, but you know, we might be able to believe in a higher power or explore those things. But that level of uncertainty, I think is really what gets on people's nerves. It's what gets on my nerves. It, it what makes me feel like I'm hopeless. You know, I kind of go into that when I really kind of doing it, I go into that hypo arouse state where I just kind of get numb and just kind of submit. And it's not a healthy place. No. Erin, how do you deal with uncertainty? Man, I've, I've had to train myself on this because I don't deal with it well. Um, I had trauma as a child that has kept me in this state of, oh, what bad thing is going to happen next? What tragedy is going to happen next? And so what I have to do is a lot of what Lee was talking about is, is observing and catching my thoughts. And also, it's so important to have those mantras. And one of the biggest things for me, and we've already talked about it, is going back to the routine and the normalcy, however we can, yeah. and exercise. When I get, when my body gets amped up, and for me, it, it comes across as almost like a hypomanic energy, and I've got these racing thoughts, and my mind is going back and forth, the best thing I can do is go for a long run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that has been the best thing for me. And I, when I'm done with that, it's like all of this energy I had towards my emotions, flooded through my body somehow. And it, it just made things right. And you know, it's been where I am in Dallas. It's been kind of rainy, but I saw the sun peep out today. And I thought, you know, this is, this is my chance. And because I don't manage uncertainty well, but through all these tools that we've talked about and through, gosh, I mean, it's been a, it's been a long process. I know that it's possible to get from a state of fear and anxiety and panic and depression into healing. But it's awareness. I think awareness is, is the biggest thing and knowing what works for you. Well, and that's one of the things that has helped me a lot because I am the best person to scare the crap out of myself. Like no one <laughs> does it better than me. And one of the things that one of my coaches had me do one year is 
take just a piece of paper. And I, I actually took a napkin. I was in a restaurant after, uh, you know, this, this session and, and she's like, just write down everything you're afraid of. Do a brain dump, write it on paper, write the thoughts out. You know, and some of my thoughts were like, you're not good enough. You're going to die alone. <laughs> These are horrible things you would never say to anyone, but I'm saying them to myself. You know, you're too fat. Your hair is too blonde. You're, you know, kind of cross-eyed. Like I'm going through this whole list and the stuff that dumped out of there was literally insane. Like, but it's floating around in there. And when I put it on the piece of paper and I kind of looked at it and owned it, I'm like, oh, you know, we, we need we need to change our thinking and you really can work on changing your thoughts. And Lee, I'd love you to weigh in about that. Well, I think that, you know, changing your thoughts, we tell we always say, well, I can't do that. You know, oh, no, 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 couldn't do that. We can do anything that we want to. And to just to tap on to what what Aaron said, the first step is awareness, personal yeah. awareness. We all have self-defeating thoughts. You know, we everything's a catastrophe. We reject the positive. My two best friends should, must, you know, you should do that. You must do that. And when I don't, then the, here comes cousins, shame and guilt. So we all have all those negative thoughts. And once we understand where they're coming from, we can replace them with positive thoughts. Yep. And, you know, whether it's positive affirmations, whether it's mantras, whether it's prayer, whether it's music, whatever it is for you, you've got to know how to get to your happy place. And, for, you know, for me, I'm on a mantra. That's when I say my mantras, I am big and strong and it makes me happy. But maybe for you, it's listening to music or reading or having a cup of tea. Just sometimes I like to just look out the window. Yeah. Look how beautiful the sky is. Listen to those birds. So I think it's work to, to reframe your thoughts. Yeah. But when you stop and you try to do it, it you realize this is so doable. It is. The, the problem is, is that there's only one person that can do it. Right. <laughs> and for me, that is me. Right. You can't buy it. You can't hire it. You can't order it out. Like you have to. And that's why, you know, sitting down with my thoughts on that napkin. And I still do that regularly. I do still do a brain dump to think, you know, like in this whole thing, what am I so afraid of? You know, what am I so afraid of? Because I think sometimes, you know, fear comes in us at us from so many different places. And if we sit down and go, what am I so afraid of? Like, what's the worst that can happen? Most of the stuff is in our head. I think all, most all of the stuff is in our head because that's where it ruminates. That's where it goes mm -hmm. round and round and round and it builds on. And the, the problem is, is it lives at that subconscious level mm -hmm. on a conscious level. Oh, I, that's a silly thought. I really, I'm good. I'm good. But on a subconscious level, that thought is going round and round and round in your yep. head. And as you said, Sandra, put it on paper, put it on paper take it out of your head. Same thing for me with the worry box. Put it on paper, take it out of your head. Yeah. Can can really facilitate the process. And therapy and, and finding someone, a licensed counselor to talk through these things. It also helps release that shame that we have when we have these thoughts and then we feel bad about our thoughts and the, you know, the musts and the coulds and the whatever it was you were talking about earlier, Lee. Um, it, it's so true. I think getting it out through somebody who can be a neutral 
dumping ground, <laughs> you know, to let that out is, is so important as well. Well, you make and a great point. point because think about athletes. Do they have coaches? Yeah. Everybody, you know, so we all, if, if you need to get help, get help. Whether it's a counselor, whether it's a friend, whether it's a pastor, mm -hmm. if you feel like that you need help, you make a very important, important point, Erin. Get help. Get help. Now, so how do we, how do people find more about you, Lee? We've got to wrap up our show for today. Well, they can find me online at good old-fashioned website, thebrainperformancecenter.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and it's easy to reach out. I do complimentary consultations, and I am more, in this time of trouble, I am more than happy to take 30 minutes out of my day and speak with anybody. Love that. And you have a book out. You have a book available. I do. Turn your brain on to get your game on. And that is what we all need to think about doing in the next couple of weeks. And that book's on Amazon. And it's also on my website, thebrainperformancecenter.com. Love that. Well, on behalf of myself and Aaron, you guys have great mental health. Stay cool. Do what you need to do. Make the best of a challenging situation. And I promise you there'll be silver linings and some really great things that come out of this if you just take care of yourself as well as you take every care of everybody else around you. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.